0: Guys the way I just put my whole ponytail in the candle like I literally just lit my hair on fire before we started this podcast We were setting up. I'm over here trying to plug something in just put my ponytail in the candle heard a little singe of my hair Smelled something burning and I'm like bro. My hair is on fire My hair's so hot right now when I touch it And the funniest part of this all is that today I tried a new hair product and it made my hair feel like straw and now it feels even grosser Like my hair is literally just fried right now. I don't know what to do. All right Update time,
1: Abs. What's up? What happened this week? Okay, guys, slide to Chicago for St. Patrick's Day. Maggie is coming to the city. I think maybe my two other but be- like best friends from college might be coming, just depending on like how flights and like work works out. But that's the plan. Slide to the city for St. Patty's Day. It is going up. meet us at the bar. Let's buy some shots. It'll be fun. <laughs> Straight up, like we're trying to have a good time. So meet us out. Um, last night I was babysitting, right? My dog, like my daughter. And she ate soap and laxatives that actually
0: sounds like a horror movie like that's like that sounds like your dog could die bro that's so fucking scary
1: bro and she's never done that before like she's three she's never done that before and i'm like what is going on like she was acting so weird i was like this is so weird like i was calling like the emergency vet like i was like i don't know what to do here she just ate laxatives and she ate a quarter bar of the soap like is she gonna be okay like what do i need to no, do call the doctor asap like that's whack bro if you know my dog like she is so bad but i love her because i raised her (laughs) single parent guys single parent is hard. Like (laughs) that's hard that shit is hard (laughs) like fucking hell but she's unfazed because you know she's a rider die type of girl so i gave her a toy today we weighed in at 86 pounds today my baby skinny legend (laughs) so she got to pick out a toy weighed your golden retriever today bro she's been on a diet for like the last like Two years about Why are your dogs
0: always on diets? I'm not even kidding. I don't know. I don't
1: know. They gain weight like crazy. What do you guys be feeding them? Bro, I don't know. I have no idea, but she's been on a diet, so now she's down to 86 pounds. My baby is slim, thick. Right. <laughs> so, what okay, about you, No, my updates? What are my updates? I don't know. I just like look forward to this so much. I love staying in, so I'm like, yes. And like, this
0: little podcast is cute because this week, I was reading my little book like I do and I read about what we're talking about today and then Abs was like, I want to do the episode on that and I was like, what the heck? And I hadn't told her I'd read it and I was like, bro, I read something this week. So today we are talking attachment styles and honestly... We're gonna get into how they affect your relationships. We're gonna get into what those things look like and what those patterns look like. Okay, an attachment style is a specific pattern of behavior in and around relationships. There's four attachment styles, secure, avoidant, anxious, and disorganized. So we're gonna get into those,
1: what all of that entails today. Okay. I'm super excited to talk about this. I was looking up, like researching the attachment styles. Apparently there's a way to tell a person's attachment style on the very first date.
0: Really? You're going to have to spill the tea on that in a minute. Okay. The funny part about attachment styles that like, everyone's like, Oh, like you learned this in therapy, whatever, is that it stems so much from what happened in your childhood and carries into your relationships you have when you're an adult, understanding what your actual attachment style is will help you stop struggling in your relationship. And the chapter that I read and that abs has in our hand now. We both have the same book in our hand. We always recommend this fucking book. 101 essays that will change the way you think. We're always saying like, read this book, whatever, because it's actually so good. And if you just read one chapter a day, it just makes you think about something. But basically, it gives a little synopsis for each of the attachment styles. And then it goes into how you can use what you know about your attachment style to be better in your relationships moving forward. All right, first attachment style is called secure attachment style. So basically, it says if you're someone who attaches securely, one or both of your parents were completely attuned to your needs during early childhood. You learned to trust people and objectively struggle the least with relationships as you don't over respond to the idea of being rejected or dismissed. You just don't fear it as much. However, if you're struggling in your relationships, it's likely because of your complacency, you're willing to stay in the wrong relationship for too long. Hmm, cause they're good enough. But at the same time, you're more hesitant to commit to the right relationships when they come along because there's more risk involved. You're comfortable and prefer to stay that way, possibly at the detriment of your heart's true desires. What you need to do is open up to the reality that love is scary, especially the kind of love that's worthwhile. Take your time, but don't choose the easy way out. All right, Abs, are we like revealing what our attachment styles
1: are in this pod? Yeah, we kind of have to. So that last sentence of take your time, but don't choose the easy way out really resonates with me because I feel like a lot of times I romanticize my previous relationships because it's easier for me to be complacent in those relationships than it is for me to go out and find someone that has the potential love of everything that I want.
0: Mm, Interesting. Okay, that kind of hits. I definitely think secure and anxious are probably what I am but you know what i just read it says around 66% of the us population has secure attachment style that's a that's like a massive number that's like so that's what most people are so i'm like okay it also said this it also says that people with this attachment style are like social warm easy to connect to and they can express their feelings they're good at deep meaningful long lasting connections whatever interesting that majority of the population is that or thinks they're that because divorce rates are so high, I'm like, hmm. had you dated a person with secure attachment? No, or no? fuck no. Sorry. <laughs> <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish. Oh, That's what. God. No, the more we talk about it, I'm I'm thinking maybe I am leaning towards more secure. Just because, bro, I feel like I have a good mind on my shoulders when it comes to these relationships.
1: Like. Who <laughs> i've been well, with megan's track record she's of dating people is Bro, just careful careful i'm kidding, <laughs> careful, I'm I'm kidding. <laughs> <I know>. okay <laughs> Megan like gave me the huge ads where she's like bitch shut the fuck up before i slap you across the screen <laughs> yeah okay i don't know if i've dated someone that has a secure attachment style i'm not sure it says that people
0: who have a secure attachment style when they were being raised their family was super in tune with who they were the child felt protective, feels safe, feels seen, known, feels comfort in their household, feels valued. Okay, see, I feel these things like about my childhood. I really do. I just think I've had trust issues and I think that is what affected my attachment style to be a little bit anxious as well, which we can get into. But I think my trust issues got so like just fucked up over the past like 10 years that that's why I think I have both
1: do you relate your trust issues back to your parents or back to the relationships that you've been in previously? Yeah, not, not my parents. It would definitely be the
0: relationships for me. Yeah, for sure. How have neither of us ever been with someone with a secure attachment style?
1: Someone tell me. I don't know. Bro, because I think I think that's interesting you say that statistic is 66%. 66% of the US has it. Yeah. Because the majority of people that you come in contact with all have some sort of fucking baggage that they're carrying. And I think it's way easier to overlook the things that people find as secure because of all the other things that we're like attached to as red flags just are like highlighted in relationships after we look back at them in hindsight. The more
0: I read about these, the more I think everyone has to be a combination of some of them because we're not all just... Completely messed up. I mean, we do have like parts of us that can be super like great in a relationship Like all the good things not that any of these like means you have like a fucked up Relationship, but some of them the whole thing about not being able to trust that like resonates with me really hard for some reason But we're moving into avoidant. Okay, if you're someone with avoidant attachment You're likely the child of parents who are emotionally unavailable and insensitive to your genuine needs you became a little adult at a young age and highly value your independence almost to a fault. You're comfortable alone, and this likely has led to intimacy issues as you struggle to be your whole self around someone else. If you are struggling in relationships, it's because you've grown to associate imperfections with dismissal. You think that opening up completely and genuinely will inevitably lead you to being unloved or rejected because you learned at a young age that expressing genuine feelings could be dangerous. Once you develop a more trusting attitude with others, it will become easier and easier to be intimate. Okay, avoidance sounds like someone that has trouble opening up, expressing their feelings. And honestly, I think a lot of the guys I'm thinking of in my past that I feel like couldn't communicate with me super well about how they were feeling or just just felt it like super, super challenging to be able to say like, Not like I love you because that's so, I feel like that's easier to say than telling me exactly how you feel about a situation. I feel like I've dated people that are avoidant as in like they're too scared to say their emotions because they're scared something might happen or like they don't even know how to open up in the first place. And I feel like that's avoidant. Could be wrong, but I feel like that's what that is.
1: No, I I agree with you on that. I think I've definitely known or like come in contact with people who have an avoidant attachment style. And I think they come a lot across as like they don't, they're not really interested in you or they're like, they're hot and cold or like you want them to open up, but it's like they can't find the words too, but they'll just say like the surface level of things. Because I think even obviously it says here, like they struggle to even talk about, like, their emotions or how they're feeling because when they open up, if they did open up as a child, it was, like, dismissed. So bro do you know what i just thought of okay i don't know if this is something that's already been like established or whatever but you know people who are touchy and people who hate physical touch do you think that like avoidant and the second like attachment style like disorganized goes with people who don't like physical touch like aren't lovey-dovey and the secure people are have that touchy yeah interesting okay because their parents were attentive with to them yeah their parents were attentive to them at first like as a baby and like kissed them hugged them loved them told them that they were amazing whatever and they developed like that physical touch that physical and then people that are
0: struggling with that physical touch definitely had parents who maybe didn't weren't like super on top of them like like in that nurturing type way
1: yeah they weren't like attentive to their needs. So like they learned to be independent, super young without the, like their parents yeah, love. Yeah, cause they
0: think, they think they're supposed to not need anyone. They're like, I don't need help. I'm independent. I don't need anyone. Cause like my parents said I don't need anyone. So I'm good. Okay. This
1: is making me sad now. Like I want to give all these little kids a hug. Like I'm sad. I actually come across so many people too. Even like the job I work with that the hardest part for them to do is like ask for help or like open up. I totally agree with you. And I think the
0: generational thing is huge with parents. I think that's what's so interesting about our generation now is that I feel like our age group is gonna be those parents. And I could be so wrong, but we want to be those parents that don't inflict our problems and trauma and like past stuff on our kids. And we give our kids a childhood that's like more like just open-minded, secure. Maybe that's the people I spend my time around is like people who feel like this, but I don't know. I just feel like so many people are gonna raise their kids differently. We could even talk about like, this, maybe this is heading too deep, but, like, how you, how you parent your kids, like, do you spank your kids, like, do you go in their room and read their journal, like, what's too much, you know, like, what's over, like, what's crossing a line and what's not, like, what's giving them their privacy and what's, like, actually being a good parent, being, like, protective, like, you have to trust your kid for them to trust you, you know, so I don't know.
1: Yeah, bro, I think, even besides those points, because yes, those are all accurate and everyone wants to be the best parent they can be. But it's when you still try to be the best parent and something still ends up happening to your kid or something still ends up going wrong with your kid because kids are such sponges you would never pick to do that at all yeah
0: third attachment style anxious attachment style if you've developed this style it's because your parents were inconsistently attuned to your needs at times you were nurtured or loved but at others they were overly intrusive and insensitive you likely struggle with indecisiveness and fear of the unknown as you never know what kind of treatment to expect from others you have a hard time trusting others but at the same time are easily overly attached and clingy even just to the idea of a person This is because you're afraid of anything you haven't grown to know as safe and want to hang on to people rather than face your fear of the unknown. If you're struggling in your relationships, it's because you're spending too much time mind reading, assuming, projecting, predicting, and anticipating outcomes in an effort to shield yourself from pain or because you refuse to let go out of fear that you'll never find anybody else. Sorry, that hits for me. That's me, by the way. I'm like, that's me. Well, I'm the type of person that sits there and overthinks the
1: situations. Like I'm trying to mind read when you don't get an answer out of someone and you mind read, you know? Okay. I think a lot of people have this like, type of attachment style without even knowing it. I think some parts obviously speak to me, but I think a lot of people too in relationships when it comes to like mind reading or like assuming or projecting and predicting, that's honestly, okay, Megs, have you ever heard of like cognitive distortions? No, but are you about to say it's both sides or something? <laughs> (laughs) No. No. But I think this is what... People who have cognitive distortions, I think, have an anxious attachment style. Because a cognitive distortion, it's literally like your type of thinking. It's either all or nothing. You overgeneralize. You're quick to state the negatives, but hardly... like. Keep in mind the positives. You always jump to conclusions. You mind read. You try to believe, like you believe that other people's reality, like what they may think of you is true about yourself.
0: Oh God, that's deep. That cuts deep. Okay. The part that I guess I resonate with is the part really when it says you have a hard time trusting others in the time and the part about mind reading protecting yourself that's why you do it because you don't want to what is it you don't want to have like an outcome you don't know I'm also such a planner and I think with this attachment style like the anxious attachment style you have to be prepared for the worst and that's why you overthink I mean that's me just like taking this on a whim but I think the reason I overthink situations or I like will just try to mind read someone or whatever and just give myself an assumption is because I don't want the worst thing to happen.
1: Bro, low-key, no, I agree with you on that, is that you mind-read and tried to, like, anticipate what would happen because in fear of, like, what the worst possible outcome scenario could be. I do that too. And I learned to do that in my past relationship because I think it was a conditional thing that I literally trained myself to do. Because if I knew something was on the rocks, I was like bracing myself for the outcome that I expected it to be.
0: No, it's not. It's nothing that happened with my family. Like there's nothing trusting with my family. That was the issue here. It's, I mean, maybe there's things about I don't know. I don't know the other parts, but it's mainly past relationships that have made me feel that this applies to me. Love that for us. Love that. High school trauma. That is me too. (laughs) Kidding. Is it high school? It might be for me. I think it is for me. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely carried on for a while, but I'm definitely getting better with this. So if you resonate with the anxious attachment style, like me, you can get out of it and be better. It kind of says at the end here that being better in relationships will be the product of learning that the anxiety and urgency you feel is just in your head. You need to work on refocusing your thoughts differentiating reality from your fears lol me and surrounding yourself with trustworthy caring people
1: <laughs> yeah megan's like mm, yes okay there is this there was this tip that i heard one time and i found this to be so true because a lot of times people with like an anxious attachment style or, like have anxiety in general always think of like the unknown or like what's the worst thing that could happen? And the worst thing that could happen honestly gives us anxiety even thinking about it. So they were talking about, if you can think about the worst possible outcome, the worst scenario that could happen, then you are able then to think about the best possible scenario. Because if you can think about the worst, then there's room for the best. And more often than not, reality falls into the middle. Does that make sense?
0: Yes, abs, don't kill me, but like this brings me to something we were talking about the other day. Abs might have to take this out the pod, sorry bro. It made me think about when we were talking about best and worst case scenarios. I was telling Abs she should just text this guy like, what's the worst thing that can happen? I know she's not going to want this. I was like, I was saying, what's the worst that can happen? Worst outcome is he doesn't respond. He tells you to fuck off, whatever it is. And like best case, you probably played best case scenario in your head. He responds, hey, like, how are you? Like, blah, blah,
1: blah. Like good response. But like the worst isn't that bad abs is about to pop off i already know (laughs) (laughs) guys it's not even like the worst case scenario like it's not even like that like i'm not worried about that it's more of like my ego being hurt because if he doesn't respond it's like fuck he doesn't like me he doesn't want me yeah so we need to do a whole episode on ego because that's something abs is working through (laughs) because it's like (laughs) no that's bad i don't know more off i'm not like i don't give a fuck about like being rejected it's more of like shit that hurt me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we'll be fine. This is not that bad. <laughs> we'll be keywords will be fine, but it's my name gonna be popping up on that motherfucker screen. So <laughs> Uh, at the end, okay, sorry. Last, at the end, I'll be like, "From me and Megan." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Megan drafted this, by the way. Megan wrote yeah, this one. From out. me and Megan. Jeez. So if you don't respond, I mean, if you hate this message, blame it on Megan. Thank you. Oh my okay. God, bro. Do you think being cheated on
0: makes you have an anxious attachment style? Because I do. Yeah. Just trust wise. Because oh, it makes you anxious well, yeah. and insecure in the relationship. That's the main reason why I feel like I even have that. Yeah. Nobody wants to have an anxious that's not fun to have. Like nobody wants to have that. But I feel like if you get fucked up in a relationship, you're going to feel that.
1: Okay, can we say that the attachment style that you learn to have in relationships is not directly attributed to yourself and your individual attachment style? So you could probably be secure, Maggie, but your attachment style in relationships is anxious based off the relationships you've had in the past. And I can say that too, probably. I think it's a mix.
0: The more I think about it, I'm getting better. It's a mix. I'm definitely getting healthier and more trusting. Cause I feel like at this point, if you don't, if you're with somebody for three years and you can't just trust them, you, you have to, because if you don't like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Last attachment style. And these are just the big four. Apparently you can have a mix. There might be other ones we don't know about, but these are the big four. And this one's called disorganized. If you have this kind of attachment style in childhood, it's because your parent or caretakers were abusive frightening or even life-threatening. You wanted to escape, yet your livelihood depended on the very people who were hurting you most. You may not have been fully to escape until adulthood. Your attachment figure was your main source of distress and to survive, you were forced to begin disassociating from yourself." This one is probably the saddest one of all four. Um, It says, if you're struggling now in your relationships, it's because you haven't learned to listen to your emotional navigation system yet. You aren't choosing partners who you genuinely care about or ignoring your instincts because you grew up being forced not to trust yourself. This one's sad. It says you'll need to reassociate with your inner guidance system and learn to trust it more than you do your thoughts or ideas. This sounds like you just really don't trust yourself, your decisions. You had a really
1: like a harder childhood where you really felt on your own. But I think self enemy, not because they chose to, but because they had to as a way of survival. And I wanna talk about this last part too, because I think it kinda hits the nail on its head. What you need to do is some very serious mental, emotional work that likely involves recalling your past trauma and rewriting your narrative of what happened in your life. You need to reassociate with your inner guidance system and learn to trust it more than you do your own thoughts or ideas. So
0: basically, this one says get therapy, generally, like not in a funny way, like seriously.
1: Yeah, because I think when you go through such young things as a, like as a young child And then you're forced to not believe in like what you're feeling or your thoughts because as a way of survival obviously that's going to create like issues tendencies with the way you see people and like your parental figures I don't know. I think that's a attachment style that I think everyone can learn from and I think honestly every person that we come in contact with has some like little tidbits of this type of style within their attachment styles. Yeah, we could definitely take this even deeper
0: and just start talking about how much your childhood affects your adult life. I feel like every time someone talks about therapy with me, they're always saying their therapist is connecting things that they're going through now to their childhood, which makes total sense. It's exactly what's happening. You're developing your brain, developing like who you are as a person. So it totally makes sense. It's just wild to me that I don't really think about that much of about like about how I was as a kid or what I went through or things that happened. I, I really don't think about that much, but it does have such a huge impact on like who Girl, we are today.
1: I am so glad you brought that up because this is what I want to talk about at the beginning of the episode. This is the revelation I've had the past few weeks and especially last night in my shower. Okay. You know how I always played sports growing up, right? Always did like embedded into my brain, played in college, whatever. In sports, they love you when you're at your best. So it's almost like, have you guys ever heard of like the Carl Rogers theory, like unconditional love theory and like conditional love theory? I essentially feel like I have been like primed to have conditional love in my life because my coaches will love me when I play like amazing and good, but that's only when I play amazing and good. Like, they will not love me for me. And and when you're not playing good, how are they feeling? No, exactly. And that's why I think I go for men now and seem to feel more attached to men where I feel like I have to prove Jeez, my worth. that is deep, bro. Whenever me and my ex-boyfriend broke up, like, that was honestly the best time because we would get back together and I'd be like, I've just fucking won that shit like I beat that like I did that and that's where my competitive and like prove my worth to be the best comes in when I date like people this is making a lot more sense recently <laughs> <laughs> yeah bro and I, I just spilled hella tea I don't even know if I even need all that because that's like my life but that's what I've come to realize is that's why I choose like the men I do because it's like yes Like, it's no fun dating a guy that you know is in love with you. Like, that's the way I see it. So, like... Disagree. But no, but that... Yeah, and that's the
0: thing. That's about the... That's literally what all these attachment styles are about, bro. Like, thinking that you have to compete with these other women. If you win, like, you're going to feel some high... That's not going to last. I mean, you probably already know this, but like, it's not going to last long. And
1: it's not even like me. Like, I don't want to make it like I'm out like against all these women like to get this man. It's not like that at all. At all. I've just realized in some of the past relationships or men I did date, I felt like I had to prove my worth. In comparison to other women and when I did when I accomplished that like when I dated him or like when I got with a guy that I really liked or whatever then I felt worthy enough because it was almost like going connecting like that sports and like that repetition of what I played my best I felt worthy I felt good and when I played my lowest I was like shit like I'm not shit <laughs> like you know what I mean Like you have more work to do so you can
0: defeat win whatever like I'm, I'm talking in sports terms because that just is making sense yeah. to me now that you're saying <laughs> That, but god damn yeah. abs now abs my question to you repeatedly on this podcast is when are we gonna like the nice guys and that we're not competing with anybody for these nice guys you're winning you're getting loved immediately like you're getting a good guy someone that's like you can trust when are we gonna like
1: those guys bro low-key am i like gonna settle down and not have fun anymore no i'm kidding um oh bro you know what i want to get into how to tell a person's attachment style from the first date all right read me this tiktok shit go on this tiktok shit Okay, so guys, apparently you can figure out a person's attachment style on the very first date. So we're about to drop this T and see if this is real. It says, how to identify attachment styles on a first date? Three questions to ask to help identify someone's attachment. Okay, question number one, what was your childhood like? If asked for clarification, say before you were 10. Secure attachment, people would answer question number one as they may answer the question honestly with a mixture of the good, the bad, and the ugly, but they won't go on too long or get sidetracked. People with avoid attachment, they might overly seem uncomfortable and dodge the question. They characteristically state that they have very little or no memory of early childhood. Alternatively, they will give you a general and vague but glowing statement about having a wonderful childhood, even though they have no specific memories to back this up. People with an anxious attachment style, they will readily answer the question and might get pulled into it. You might start feeling confused about what the fuck they are talking about (laughs) and whether it's the past or the present. A person with a disorganized or a fearful attachment style, they might get annoyed, dodge the question, or try to distract by answering a question of their own. Their answer might seem confusing and disorganized. They could reveal disrupted or scary parent-child relationships. Okay, question number two is, who do you go to for hugs, comfort, or reassurance when you get scared or anxious? I don't know, bro, if I could ask these questions on a first date, but here we go, whatever.
0: Yeah, no, yo, know, that's a little, that's a little like aggressive for the first date, but, but you could be like, oh, who do you, who's your best friend or who do you call like regularly, that kind of thing. You could say that as in like, cause I have a feeling I know the answers to what you're about to say.
1: Yeah. So people with a secure attachment style will answer as, will give a direct answer and examples of caring, loving parents or caregivers, stating the obvious right there. People with, um, an avoidant attachment style may say something like probably my mom or dad, but on follow-up won't have any corresponding memories to support this. They might say they take care of themselves and no one gives hugs or comfort. So I feel like that's what we were talking about earlier. They're just super independent, not super touchy. And then people with an anxious attachment style, they might give you direct answer and examples of love and hugs, but this might be mixed with some indication of like inconsistency or like resentment. And people with a disorganized or fearful attachment style, they might get bothered by the question and perceive it as invasive. They might get emotionally off balance and give you an answer that includes loss or scary experience or trauma. Okay. Last question to ask on your first date. What was your last romantic relationship like and how did it end? Low key though, I have an issue with this question. No,
0: that's my favorite question. What? What? really okay what? why oh my god I talked to someone this week I love how I have someone in my life that's going on dates right now because I can spill a little bit of tea not too much but someone went on a date this first week that I'm friends with and they asked have you been in any past serious relationships and I didn't think that was a, I, I was like oh you asked that but then I was like eh, whatever I, it's like you're feeling comfortable fuck it like ask and I guess it does kind of tell you but the answer of that person was they've all been super toxic And I just thought that was interesting. That was all they really said. I know. Should we dissect? Yeah. They just said they've all been super toxic um, and
1: they haven't worked out. And I'm like, okay, I mean. That is tea. Let's read these, Maggie, and then we'll figure out what that person's attachment style is. Okay. People with secure attachment style will typically reveal lasting and affectionate relationships. They will probably not speak ill of exes, but indicate both positive and negative features of the relationship. People with avoiding, they will probably try to shut down the question or state that they are totally done with this other person and never give it any other thought. Heard that one before. Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, have you really? From who? (laughs) Bitch. (laughs) wait no i'm saying like i've heard that before like oh we're oh sure i can call you out also that's fine
0: um but no i've definitely (laughs) heard that as in like oh yeah like we're so done then they like are back with them in like six months like "Hmm?"
1: oh yeah i feel like this is that's like so
0: normal people who have an anxious attachment style might give you a direct answer and examples of love and hugs but this might be mixed with some indication of inconsistency unmet needs or resentment interesting okay last one if you're disorganized attachment, you're fearful and they might get bothered by the question and perceive it as invasive. They might get emotionally off balance and give you an answer that includes loss or scary experiences and trauma. Going back to what I said earlier about the person that's been going on a date and when they asked them about their past relationships, they just said they were super toxic. All the guys evaded dated are toxic, basically is what they said. Um, I think that's interesting. I don't know if that really gives a full answer. Maybe I need to say I ask more questions of this person of what they really answered. That's a very short
1: answer. I don't really know. But it just sounds, it really doesn't sound like it could be any of these, honestly. Like, I don't know. Yeah. No, I definitely agree with you on that. And if we're going strictly off these attachment styles, apparently secure attachment style and avoid it, attract each other. Interesting.
0: I've always been a believer of opposites attract. I think it's... I don't know, it's interesting because it's people that are balancing each other out. When people say yin and yang, it reminds me of Opposites Attract because it's two people bringing completely different things to the table and making it work. And I think it also can make a relationship so much more interesting when two people bring completely different like perspectives, like what they like to do to the table. But I will say, if you don't have some common ground in a relationship of what you like to do, if you if you like going out or staying in, the small things like that, that seem like they're not a huge deal, I feel like that wouldn't really work. I think opposites in a different way can work. Like someone who's really calm and then someone who's really like crazy, maybe that could work. I feel like in my relationship now, I'm such like a planner and I'm like always overthinking and then he's super chill and he's very laid back. So I feel like we compliment each other in that way. But I feel like in a relationship, you have to have common ground of some sort. Yeah,
1: bro, that's tea. No, definitely.
0: All right, guys, thanks for listening. We love hearing feedback. We've been getting some interesting comments on the gram. We've been getting a mix of people who agree with us and feel what we're saying, and then a mix of older men that completely disagree and are willing to write anything they need to write to get to us. So that's kind of our mix right now.
1: <laughs> we're loving it. Right. <laughs> Anyways, bye, guys. Love you. Can't wait for next week.
0: Bye, guys. Love you. See you guys next week. Follow us at Call My Bluff Pod. Yes.
1: Bye.